Hey there, friends. It's Misty, and I'm back with a brand new season of Marketing Sweats. It's season eight, and I'm changing things up a bit and shining a spotlight on some of the great work that's happening right here at home with the Choose Greater Peoria movement. In case you haven't heard, it's this massive collaborative effort among our local businesses and civic organizations to promote the Greater Peoria region and ultimately boost our economy by drawing people and business to the area. Many have said, hey, haven't we tried this before? But I say this is different. There's greater collaboration among the business community, additional funding and a unified strategy. It's a long-term commitment with measurable outcomes. Performance is being tracked and optimized and you could say it's a movement. It's more than a marketing campaign, it's an engine. The Peoria area really is an incredible place to live, work, and play. We have the best of all worlds, arts, entertainment, access to healthcare and education, outdoor adventures, you name it. And we have affordable housing, little traffic, and short commutes. The quality of life is high here. It's no wonder Peoria has been named one of the best places to live in the country, but we need to be better about telling our story. The Gilmore Foundation, Greater Peoria Leadership Council, the business community is working with the Peoria Area Chamber of Commerce, Discover Peoria, Greater Peoria Economic Development Council, Symantle, and other partners to develop and execute a campaign that does just that. It tells our story well. So my first guest of the season is the president of the Gilmore Foundation, Laura Cullinan. Her passion and commitment to developing our community is second to none. She's been the driving force behind the Choose Greater Peoria movement, and we've spent countless hours working together. We both love this place and we want to see it thrive. So without further ado, let's dive in and talk more about this important movement. Okay, welcome to Marketing Sweats. Today, I am here with Laura Cullinan. She is the president of the Gilmore Foundation and somebody that has become a very close friend of mine. I am so excited that you are kicking off season eight. Laura, welcome. Thank you. I'm My so first glad podcast, you're here. Misty. I know, it's going to be so fun. I can't wait. All right. So as I do with every interviewee, before we get into Gilmore and choose greater, I want to understand your story. So tell us a little bit about how you came up in the world. You're from Peoria. Is that right? I am. I'm from Brimfield, which okay. is a town west of Peoria, population less than 900. Oh, my goodness. Went to school in Peoria, Catholic schools. My mom was always very proud of that. I went to Catholic school from first grade through law school. That's um, amazing. <laughs> Went to University of Notre Dame after high school, and I think between my parents and teacher, one specific teacher in high school, Sister Barbara Marie Link, and then my experience in Notre Dame, I think that's what really shaped my and fueled that desire to give back and get sure. involved in community service. I remember you telling me that. So what was it specifically about your upbringing, either mom or dad or just anything that led you to want to give in that way and eventually go to law school? My dad, I observed him. I observed him working hard. My dad is a farmer. I observed him treating people with the same degree of respect, whether they were a CEO or whether they were a janitor. Right. And so I think I learned uh, by watching my dad. And then my mom was always just overly generous to everyone she met. And, you know, she wasn't involved in philanthropy. She wasn't working on the board at Easter Seals, but she knew the people in the grocery store she and everyone knew her and they they knew if there was a problem they could come to her and she would help them so that's I, amazing I, she was a big influence and i think about her a lot um with the work that we're doing laura you embody so many of those values and i think when i originally met you my business partner maggie introduced us right and yeah. we had coffee and that was the first thing i experienced in knowing you is like you connect people you listen and you kind of understand what they're passionate about and i remember in that meeting you were like hey, here's two or three people that you should know. And I mean, I think I went back to my desk and you had already sent the emails. So <laughs> you definitely live that in Peoria and it seems like that's one of your sort of greatest values. 
I love doing that. I love connecting people. I love connecting with people and yeah. then kind of helping them in a small way. But it's, awesome. it's not a big deal. But I think if you do that a million times, it, it can make a difference it. in a yeah. community. Yeah. That's great. Okay. So going back to law school. So tell me a little bit about what drew you to that. What kind of law did you practice and sort of what were you passionate about there? So post-college, I uh, knew I was going to go to law school, but I had this yearning to do some sort of service. I also had a yearning to see a different part of the country. So I joined AmeriCorps, which is the domestic peace corps started by Bill Clinton. Oh, cool. And I lived in DC for that year, worked in Anacostia, Virginia, and served homeless veterans. Wow. It was a, a good learning experience for a girl from Bloomfield, sure. Illinois. What yeah. kinds of things were you doing? Like, what was your day-to-day like? Uh, I would set up counseling. Okay. I would offer, help offer services within the homeless shelters. Okay. Um, it was a lot of talking to people, really. And I mm-hmm. wasn't trained as a counselor, but I think they just, they needed people to assist. Great experience. It was. Okay. So after that, you went to? Went to law school at Loyola in Chicago. Always wanted to live in Chicago. From the time I remember my parents took us on a summer trip there for the weekend. I think I was eight and I looked at those, that skyline and said, I want to live here. <laughs> Lived there for 14 years, loved it. it. Started out working at a litigation firm and then eventually moved to a large corporate firm, Sidley Austin, which is one of the largest firms in the world, known for good people. And there they really put a focus on pro bono work. Okay. And I was able to do a lot of asylum cases. So again, that itch, that need inside of me, I had a place for it, yeah. but it wasn't my job. And it wasn't until I was offered the opportunity with Gilmore that I realized I could actually my job could be my passion. That's so cool. Okay. So talk to me about the transition to Peoria and how the Gilmore opportunity came about. Well, I continued at my law firm for the first year we moved back to Peoria. We moved back to be closer to family. Um, At the time my mom was sick. My husband also was wanting to join the family business. Both of our families are here and it's been great to be home. That's awesome. But I loved my job, as I said, and I didn't want to leave it. And so was able to work remotely before that was a thing. That was back in 2014. Okay. But after going back and forth to Chicago every week, I realized I wasn't part of the community here. Yeah. I'd see my family and my husband and a couple of friends, but I really wasn't a part of Peoria. And yeah. I wasn't even a part of Chicago. So it was this weird middle ground. Sure. I was lucky enough to get a job at RLI in their corporate law department. I was their corporate counsel and I loved the people there. But after having our twins... We kind of took a pause on my career for the first time. I had always had a job from age 14 on. And so that those 18 months were <laughs> challenging, probably most for Alan. I feel, sure. I feel terrible for him. <laughs> but I was presented with the opportunity of Gilmore, and I didn't really know what it was. Right. Um, I knew some of the people involved, Doug Oberhelman, and I knew Will Williams, and I knew they were great people. Sure. But I hadn't heard of Gilmore. Sure. I didn't know at all what I would be doing. Right. And just kind of jumped into that January of 2020. I was seven months pregnant. Wow. God bless them <laughs> for, <laughs> for taking a chance yeah. on me too. And it's been a dream. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm going to ask you a ton more about it, but I mean, knowing that you're sort of an attorney by trade, I still see those skill sets come through in you in the yeah. way that you think and you write. And I'm also so impressed. I say this to you all the time of how much you can do in a day. I mean, you're constantly juggling. So, but you feel like this job really has helped you find your place to leverage all those different kinds of skills. I think it has. I always love to write and I, I like research. And if you couple those those two skills with being passionate about what you're doing. I mean, I wake up in the morning. That's the first thing I think about. I've never had that before. I know you do because you're texting me at 5 (laughs) a.m. 
So, and, and also with a love of my hometown. I love yeah, Peoria. I know I do. you do. And, and it shows. So talk a little bit about the Gilmore Foundation for those that may not know sort of the sort of mission behind it and Bob's vision and um, kind of what your job looks like day to day. Well, Bob Gilmore is a person that we could spend five hours talking <laughs> about. And I wish the world more of the world knew about him. This is a person who loved this community too and loved it so much that he gave his entire life's work to it. But he grew up on the East Bluff. He grew up with nothing. He worked himself up from the third shift at CAT to be president, which was the equivalent back in the day they had the roles separated. It would be the equivalent of CEO today. Okay. Lived overseas for a great many years. He was a World War II navigator. He went through, I think it was... 27 missions wow. in Europe and then fulfilled an extra five. I mean, this is a person, you know, that's that greatest generation where you can't even believe what their life right, is like. Right. Um, and Bob wanted to give back. He was humble. He was generous. He believed in offering others opportunity, giving a hand up. And he believed that to whom much is given, much is expected. And mm-hmm. I think that that certainly resonates with me. I think that resonates with a lot of folks on our board and we have an incredible board and they're focused on giving back to Peoria for all the right reasons. No egos. There's no no skin in the game for them. Right. Well, I know you mentioned Doug Overhelman and he talks so passionately about Bob and, mm-hmm. you know, seemed like they were good friends. And yeah, he I was think many on your board figure. knew him in that way, them. right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Will Williams, Todd Sheridan, John Michael, Doug Overhelman, all those Katie Jenkins, Sarah Rush, those people all looked up to Bob. Bob was really, if you met him today, you he would come up to you, he'd have a long conversation, he'd be passionate, intelligent, he'd ask you how he could help you. Right. I'm, I had the good fortune of meeting him yeah. multiple times, and it really made an impact on me. And I think about that a lot. What would Bob do? What would he do in the situation? How would he handle the Choose Greater Peoria effort and right. working with the businesses? And how would he handle working with our business partners and civic organizations. And he was a gentle man, very patient, kind, humble, right. hardworking, and intelligent. Yeah. I'm sure it's humbling to step into that this role and you feel such a sense yes. of responsibility and obligation. I do. I feel a sense of responsibility to carry out his legacy in, in the best way that we can. Sure. Well, I know you were doing a lot for the foundation before the Choose Greater Peoria even started. So talk about some of the ways that you were connecting dots, even over coffee conversations and bringing things to life that you couldn't have imagined. Yeah. One of the things that we're most proud about is a recent connecting of the dots with University of Illinois College of Medicine with now it's Carl Health System. And this really started out in 2020 with the mental health crisis sure. reaching a boiling point. And us sitting around and saying, what could we do here? How can we help? And we worked with actually the Community Foundation too on this effort. So it was connecting multiple groups together, but working on, we asked the hospital, we asked Keith Knapp, what's your greatest issue? And he said, we cannot hire psychiatrists. We can't find psychologists. The coasts are eating them up. It's hard to get to recruit them to Peoria. And so we put together a package where we are offering incentives for new hires. Okay which helps differentiate. And then we put together a package with the University of Illinois College of Medicine to expand their residency program from 16 to 24 residents. So you've got eight more able-bodied doctors in the area that can help. And that is just the beginning. This is a multi-year effort, but it's something that we're really proud of. And we're really proud that we hit on it right before it became too big. Yeah. 
too big to solve because now everyone is scrambling, but Carl is in a good position and UE Comp is in a good position. Well, we're going to be interviewing Keith Knapp about that topic itself. And I think it's so cool how you all as a board really try to identify the biggest needs in Peoria and then try to help solve them. And that's really the impetus of how the Choose Greater Peoria initiative started. So I'd love it if you'd tell that story and why you sort of engaged me and Samantha and others throughout the community in this conversation. That's a great transition, Missy. (laughs) Thank you. One of Bob's great desires was to engage the business community on a large community need. And he understood the multiplier effect that if you could combine philanthropy with the power of business, with their leaders and with that pocketbook, that we could move the needle for Peoria. And so that's where this came from. We engaged at that time, I think it was 12 to 15 of the area's largest employers and asked them what they want. We engaged you with Samantha because you're one of the area's largest employers, but also they're so great at facilitating, and we wanted to see where this conversation would lead. Out of that initial conversation, three things sort of bubbled to the surface. As you know, the greatest need is talent attraction and retention, but attraction. And then we talked about how Peoria is viewed in the world, what that external brand is, and right. then also, really importantly, how people in Peoria view themselves, what they think, that internal messaging. And that's where Samantha has been you know, just incredible and valuable helping us with that Peoria brand right. outside Peoria and here. I have to be honest, you know, when we started these conversations, gosh, over a year ago now, I didn't know many of the region's leaders, right? Even though, like you said, we are one of the largest employers. We are very invested in our community. And for me, one of the most sort of, you know, gratifying elements of this whole journey has just been the friendships and the collaboration that we've been able to build. And I know other, you know, leaders have felt the same that we can all just pick up the phone and call each other now. Me too. I think that's the biggest value that we get out of that. For me, I think that's the most inspirational too. You have CEOs. And I've, I've said this a million times, but I think it's amazing. You've got competitors Yes. Working together happily right. for the good of this region. I just don't think that happens elsewhere. It's also the beauty of Peoria is it's not six degrees of separation. It's maybe two. Right. And so for us to be able to put this together as fast as we did, that would not happen in Chicago. Well, you you have been such a good sort of advocate of the idea of making sure that everybody in Peoria understands why is that important? What's in it for them to have the leaders know each other and be working together, right? And so as we've gone out and we've interviewed marketing leaders and HR leaders, I think everybody is feeling the lift of the collaboration and being able to call one another. It's not just the leaders. And I'm curious if you're having the same experience across nonprofits and politicians and otherwise. Yeah, just you think that that conversation is happening, but it's not happening as efficiently as once you start it and once people get to know each other on a personal level, then it's very different. Right. And that I think is one of the coolest things that I've seen from this process so far. The trust is built. The other thing I look back on when we started this journey is the idea that other cities who have done this well, right, drawing talent to the region or sort of building the economic engine, have typically had a foundation at the table helping fuel that. And I don't know, remember all the case studies we looked at, but I, I think I want people to know that this may not have happened without the Gilmore Foundation fueling it. Well, we can look at that in Indianapolis model when Indy decided they wanted to be a sports town 20 years ago, and it was the businesses in in Indianapolis, and it was Eli Lilly Foundation, and then it was the government. And we are that model now. We have the state government now helping us. We have the businesses, and we have philanthropy. So it just feels like a different time, doesn't it? I'm so excited. Good.
Okay, so for those who maybe don't know fully what Choose Greater Peoria is, I appreciate you sharing, you know, the sort of pillars of talent brand and this internal positive Peoria. What's going on today? So tell us a little bit about some of the recent wins in the marketing lane and kind of what you're excited about for the future. Well, we just launched uh, an evolution of the strategy with the Asterisk campaign, and it's a punching above our weight class. Okay. It's kind of edgy. It's getting a lot of views to the website. Sure. And I love it. Yeah. I love that Peorians are humble and kind and don't brag enough. And that's something that we need to do is brag a little bit more. And that campaign is helping us do that in an edgy way. Yeah. Well, let's go back to the beginning before we talk Asterisk. So I remember when we started this effort, we talked about greater Peoria, right? And how we could own the idea of greater. We had this whole live, work, play message, and we have so much to say in all of those lanes. But I remember at that time, we talked about, can we own being greater than other cities? And not just sort of in geography, right? Right. But all the good things that we have here. And I think that you have been such a vocal advocate of that in so many ways. And now we have a website that promotes it and we have a PR strategy and all the things, but it really does feel like we're owning that message. Well, you have a work-life balance that is greater here. You have, this is the most giving community in the country with Mm -hmm. philanthropy. Look at what St. Jude did, $11 million. Look at our United Way. Absolutely. I mean, we just, that does not happen in huge cities. And right. we, we do it here and nobody even talks about it. It's I know. incredible. We're having uh, Jennifer Zamudo come on the season oh, too. Wonderful. So she'll be able to yeah. tell that story. But I think people want to be a part of something greater. That was part of the research that we did into some of the executive targets that we were initially reaching out to that they wanted to sort of build a life, not just a job. And so I think that over the past year, we've started to really tell that story. You can build a life here and you can give back. You can be a part of the community. You can start a business. This is a place where I think you have many more opportunities than you would in a big city. And that's another story that we're just not telling. Absolutely. We're we're this hidden gem. We are totally, which leads to, like you said, the evolution of where we're headed with this idea of asterisk. And I know people locally may not have even seen that creative because we're obviously marketing outside of Peoria and helps of bringing people here. But we just launched some new billboards in the Chicago market that I know you and I are very excited about. We're getting anecdotal phone calls that people are seeing it. So talk a little bit about the idea of Asterisk being sort of a little star among big stars and that we have so much more to our story and kind of, again, talk a little bit about why you felt it was so important to punch above our weight class. I think that a lot of communities can say we have a nice work-life balance, but I think the difference is that Peoria can offer big city amenities in a smaller environment that makes life easier. It makes it less expensive. It makes your family time more if that's what you want. But it, we have we have diversity here. We have things that smaller communities don't offer. Yeah. And so I think letting people that live in a city understand that and this campaign telling that story, punching above our weight class is... Sure. Um, Well, I think the fact that you lived in Chicago is an interesting tie. And I know recently we had the ESPN Chicago Bears radio network in town and we did a big event at the museum. But that connection, Peoria to Chicago and really just building a conversation around the state is really important to the strategy as well. That was important to, I think, external Peoria brand, but to the internal Peoria brand too. That was a great day. We had over 3,000 people. We had 400 students. Peoria Public Schools was heavily involved. They were incredible. Bradley was involved, Eureka College, ICC. It was a community pep rally. And the the thing that I came away with from that day was I felt such a, a sense of community. You saw people from all of the zip codes around around this region and children cheering each other on. Again, here's that idea of solidarity. You had manual and central cheerleaders cheering for each other. 
you know, those are competitors. Exactly. Um, it was very cool. It was really cool. Parents bonding over the pride that they felt in their children. And then that kind of bubbled up to pride in the city. And I loved that day. I, I did we, too. I have a picture with Dr. Kara and Mira Ali standing there watching the cheerleaders. And I just, you know, to be a part of that and just really feel a part of the community, I think is the vibe that we're trying to build yeah. momentum around. Yeah. And having all those kids from different areas play with each other. Right. That's a building block. Absolutely. It's, it sort of embodies what Choose Greater Peoria means. So the other thing I want to ask you about is the idea of ambassadors, right? So the campaign itself has, I think right now, for what we're calling tier one ambassadors, where we have like told their stories online and we have eight of these sort of tier two ambassadors that in a more social sort of organic way are talking about their work and why they love living here. But we also want anybody to be able to adopt the materials and just talk about why they love living, working, and playing here. You have been a vocal ambassador. I see you out on LinkedIn and other places telling these stories. So what would you say to people who are really proud of being here? What, what would you want them to do? I would say tell your story and tell us why you love Peoria. Tell us about who you are. You can use the hashtag Choose Greater Peoria. But we've seen some people like Mark Mungy, for example, He's done this website all on his own, talking about yes, the, it's so cool. the outdoors, the amenities that we have here. There are a lot of people like that. There are realtors, Suzanne Monan Miller. She does a really great job of that. There are just good people all over this region that are telling that story. So tell us more about you. Tell us why you love living here. And we're not going to shy away from the things that need work sure. too. You know, we can talk about that and then we can have those issues raised to the surface and we can all work on that together. In a really honest, authentic way. We were just talking this week about how one of the reasons talent has been drawn to Peoria is because there are challenges to solve and people like being a part of fixing things. So I think that's actually a really good thing that we're all coming together on those issues. Okay, so one thing we haven't hit on, and I and this maybe is a little bit, you know, in the weeds, but I think it's important for folks to understand that this isn't just a marketing campaign, right? We've gotten some questions about how is this different than what's been tried in the past. And for me, what I think folks don't see going on behind the scenes is there's actual two-way communication between the businesses through sort of holding the hands of the HR folks, making sure that the leads are getting passed to them weekly, hearing from them on what jobs are priority and, and sort of what they want in return. Talk about that as an engine and how that's really going to help the long term of this effort since this isn't a one and done. Well, this is a unified strategy. You asked how this is different and there's much more funding and there's much more collaboration with the number of businesses. Now we're at 25 businesses. But the idea is that all of the business, this engine that's being created, this will survive into the future. But we have created a way to communicate with HR with the CEOs. And then those companies have a way to communicate company to company. So it isn't just marketing. No, we're, we are building an engine for attraction for the area. Right. Yeah. We keep using the phrase momentum and it certainly feels like it's starting to take off. That's the other thing I would want folks to know is that we're only what, four, five months into we really launched May 1st. Yeah. And I think because of who's involved, those CEOs, those leaders expect velocity and results quickly. You are like that, Miss. I totally am like that. I'm very hard on myself. <laughs> yes, like you are too hard on yourself. And but I feel that too. Hey, we should we should already have fifty thousand people moving right. to Peoria, but we launched May first, so wow. we're not even one year into this. Yeah, um, we're just a quarter of a year into this. I know. And, um, we, and that's another testament to Peoria. How have we been able to get the message out? I think a lot of people know about this effort now. A lot of people are supporting it. 25 businesses are supporting it. We started with less than 
And people still reaching out, Mm -hmm. you know, weekly. You Asking, we just had a business reach out this week. Hey, we'd like to get involved. We'd like to invest. We'd like to help. Right. That's incredible. I also want everyone to know that, you know, while this initiative started with more senior level executive talent, we're now sort of widening the funnel. And just by looking at data and being very transparent with, you know, the findings, we're thinking this message has legs to really reach anybody. That's right. It's for everyone. It started out with executive level talent because that's what the businesses were saying that they needed yesterday. And thankfully, they've had some momentum, some good movement in that, in those hiring positions, but they need people from, of all levels. And we need people of all kinds to come here. Peoria is welcoming. And, you know, I think that's another great thing that we have to talk about. Right. Yeah. So many of the leaders have said, if we can fill those senior executive level positions, it gives opportunity to retain talent and grow talent within their organizations. And they're super excited about that. But that extends all the way to the colleges and universities in our region through workforce development. Dr. Sheila Quirk-Bailey, obviously somebody we quote a lot, just given her credibility and she's on the executive board for the GPLC. Maybe talk a little bit about what the GPLC is, because people may not be familiar even with that acronym. And maybe some of the folks that are a part of it and the kinds of conversations that you're having that really are driven by the business community. I know that's something you and Will continue to remind me of is it's not so much Gilmore driving this agenda, right? It's making sure that we're just framing space for the conversation. No, Gilmore is providing the opportunity to have the conversation, a facilitator, much in the way that Misty, you are. But the GPLC, it stands for Greater Peoria Leadership Council. And it started out, like I said, with the 12 largest employers in the area. And we've grown those investors to 25 regional businesses. So we've got Pekin Insurance and we have RLI. So going back to the competitor idea, but we also have some politicians now. We have Mayor Ali and we have Mayor Call. So East Peoria Mayor and the Peoria Mayor working together. Darren LaHood is involved and Jahan Gordon Booth. So again, it's this idea of business with philanthropy, with politics. Right. Absolutely. And that group gets together, gosh, every six weeks or so, but we can call ad hoc meetings as we need them. And so... Choose Greater Peoria has the opportunity right now. Stay focused on talent attraction, you know, prove that we can hit those KPIs that we set out to do. But then also as new needs in Peoria arise, really create intentional conversations about those and help drive the strategic priorities of the region. That's right. Intentional conversations where how business and philanthropy and state federal funding can work together to improve the livability of this region. So looking at something like the downtown, that's not off the table. There are all kinds of things that we can all do to enhance the livability of Absolutely. The Tri-County area. And I, you know, I told you that I'm going to be speaking with Keith and Bob and obviously healthcare being such a huge focus for Peoria going forward, not abandoning our manufacturing roots, why Caterpillar is still here, but definitely leaning into who we're becoming. And there's so much more opportunity. There's a lot of innovation that, again, people don't know about. And those things are going to be talked about, I think, a little bit more in the future. And I'm I'm interested in hearing those conversations with Bob and Keith, especially. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we pivot away from Choose Greater Peoria, I guess I would ask, I know the past year has been grueling. It's been a lot of work, but it's also been really rewarding. So, you know, if you could point back to, I guess, just a few of the anecdotal stories that have kept you going and keep all of us going, even as we're building the engine. Seeing the different people work together, seeing the competitors and business work together, seeing the community come together for the Choose Greater Tailgater, that was really inspiring. Seeing philanthropy, seeing business, and seeing politicians come to the table, and again, with differing philosophies, 
Republicans, Democrats, all saying, no, you know what, We're, we want to get behind this and we want to do what we can to help. Absolutely. And finding a path forward where we know we don't agree, we're not potentially on the same side, but we have, there's an overlap there where we can all work together. Yeah. I think that's been incredibly inspiring. Right. If somebody were to ask, how are all the local business partners, or we've dubbed them civic orgs coming together, whether it's, you know, GPEDC, the chamber, uh, in fact, Chris Eddy um, and Joshua Gunn have both been on the podcast, you know, J.D. Delfonso, those are all people we've been working with to sort of run in our own lanes because there's so much work to do in Peoria and yet coming together collaboratively. Talk a little bit about those relationships and how they've been supportive of our efforts and we're being supportive of theirs. They have a lot of depth of knowledge, years of experience in this, and they have all been running in their own lanes and, and do a very good job at collaboration here. And they were very supportive of us, especially, you know, getting our you know, feet off the ground. And, you know, I think about Chris Setti and Joshua Gunn helping us with media connections. I think about J.D. Alfonso helping us with the website and a lot of the images the brand, that we're using, yeah. the brand. So they've all been great. And I I think that there's a lot more that we can do together Absolutely. in the future. It's an evolution based on work that they started, honestly, with the GP2030 initiative. That's so right. super thankful to them. Okay. So we're going to talk a little bit about you, Laura, which I know is your not your favorite thing to do, <laughs> putting you out front. That wasn't on the sheet you sent me. <laughs> well, I'm going to go there. So... Whether you like it or not, you have definitely become a, a face person for this, right? A, a vocal spokesperson, an advocate that people look to to keep, keep driving change. And I think I just want to end our conversation today learning, leaning a little bit more into who you are as a person. So what are some of the core beliefs and leadership philosophies you have? You talked about those at the beginning and sort of where your Notre Dame roots got you started. But as you've grown in your career, how has that evolved and changed? What are some of the things you live by? Well, I think when you talk about leadership, I almost don't view myself as a leader, but I, I view this effort as the patient and what can we do to keep the patient healthy and not thinking about myself, but thinking about what how the team is responding and how is the patient responding? How is Peoria doing? And how, you know, all those nerve endings, making sure that that's all working. And so I guess I would say the leadership style would be, you know, thinking outside of yourself and focused on others. It couldn't be more true to what I know of you. And so I love that answer. I've never heard that before. What are some of your secrets to success in thinking that way? I don't, uh, secrets to success. I would say one reason why I'm sitting here right now is, is not because I'm the smartest person around or the most talented person, but because I just have never given up. Yeah. And so if there have been stumbling blocks and there always are. Sure. And I can point to those every five years or so. I'm One's coming up. I know it's about on that fifth year, you know, just not letting that get you down. And right. I, I know that sounds so trite, but we all are challenged constantly and we all fail and failure sucks. Right. But I think the best thing is getting up. And then once you get up over, you know, five or six times you failed and you've gotten up and you still survive. Yes. Then you have the confidence to keep, you can try because you think, well, what's the worst that can happen? Right. I'll fail. And you are one of the most resilient people. It doesn't take you long to come back from a setback, <laughs> but I've appreciated that both of us allow that space to, you know, give each other a break when things get hard and then yeah. the next day come back fighting. So that's great. What's a failure that you've had in your career and you think back, man, I wish I would have done that differently, but maybe you learned something from it. Oh, man, there's a lot. I've certainly failed at relationships. I've certainly failed, you know, tests and school. And I mean, there's... A, 
I don't want to get into it too much, but there's a lot of failures in this past. Okay. Well, I love that you can acknowledge that because I think a lot of us, you know, just move past them, but you seem like reflective, like personal growth type person and you engage others in conversation and ask, how could I have done that better? And I love that about you. I think that you can't lie about who you are and you can't act like you're perfect and things haven't been difficult because it's not true. It's not fair and it's not helpful to other people. People want to know everyone fails. Right. And so they want to know, how did you get beyond your failures? Well, I have so enjoyed working with you, Laura. I'm not lying when I say this. You have literally been one of my favorite clients ever because you're so direct. You know what you want. You know how to make decisions, but you're honest and kind when you have to deliver hard feedback. So I really appreciate you for who you are. We'll get back to the rest of the interview in just a minute. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Symantle. I happen to know a thing or two about them because I'm one of the owners. Symantle is an industrial consumer marketing firm with an obsessive focus on customer experience. We not only execute killer marketing campaigns, but we help organizations align around goals, audiences, messages, channels, and tactics to create more than campaigns, but programs that align to business strategies. Symantle has 40 years experience crafting positive, engaging customer experiences at every point in the consumer journey. And if you like what you hear on this podcast, head to symantle.com slash blog for more content. You'll find articles, tips and tricks, do-it-yourself tools, webinars, and more to help you keep learning and growing right along with us. I want to end our conversation today with just one more thing. And I ask every interviewee this, what's something you're struggling with right now that's a question that's weighing on you that you'd like to put out in the universe? Maybe it's about this initiative. Maybe it's about something else that we can all be pondering. Well, it's not about this. I would say I'm struggling with, am I doing the best job as a mother Yeah, and I'm and doing this? And I know that every parent feels like this, so sure. it's common, but it kills you sometimes when you miss something. And totally. I've had a lot of just dumb mom fails lately. <laughs> yeah. Well, we all have those. Tell us about your kids. I should have asked you that oh, out of the gate. Uh, we have twins that are six, Mary Michael and Dwayne. Okay. And I have a little baby, which is a not a baby anymore. She's three, Francis. And they're all in school. She's just two days a week, the baby. But yeah. twins are in first grade. They're doing great. And that is my greatest joy in life. And there's a million failures right there. We, we tried <laughs> to have kids for so long yeah. and um, finally got lucky at age 40. Wow. So don't, don't give up. I love that. Well, I love the pictures you send me of them at night. There's always something fun going on at your house. And again, I'm just so proud of you and all that you're doing for our community. So thank you for taking the time to be on Marketing Sweats. And like I said, you're one of my favorite people. Thank you. I'm looking forward to continue working with you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Marketing Sweats. In season eight, I'm sitting down with leaders from Peoria area businesses and civic organizations to talk about the huge collaborative effort underway to raise up our community called Choose Greater Peoria. We're all joining forces like never before to promote the place we call home, where you can work greater, live greater, and play greater. That's the Greater Peoria Advantage. To learn more about this movement, visit choosegreaterpeoria.org. And if you like this episode, you can hear more at our website, marketingsweats.com, or any of the major podcast listening platforms. You'll find over 70 episodes with guests like marketers, business consultants and leaders, personal and professional development coaches and authors covering a range of topics like B2B marketing, CX, brand building, data, tech, and more. That's a wrap for today. Keep up the good work, friends, and we'll chat soon. 